Welcome back to season eight of Flop Stars, the podcast where we discuss albums that didn't quite go up the charts, but they are very close to our hearts. This week we're doing somebody who I actually can't believe that we haven't touched on her before. And perhaps that's because she's one of the biggest artists in the world, one of the most popular people on the planet, one of the most followed people on Instagram, perhaps the most followed musician on Instagram. I am talking about Selena Gomez and we are doing her... She calls it her third album. It's more like her fifth or sixth album, but she calls it her third solo record, Rare. It was released back in January of 2020, just before the world went to absolute shit. And to discuss it with me, I have Nick Kelly. Hi. I was going to make an absolute shit connection, but I I decided to play it nice. What was the shit connection you were going to go with? I need to hear it now. that I was just going to say, speaking of an absolute shit, Fucking hell, we're getting off to a flying start. You are right, though. It is wild that we haven't done Selena yet because even, you know, Taylor Swift, we've done two episodes about that we've somehow managed to sort of fold yeah. into the pop stars. We've done Adele. Universe. We've done Adele. And <laughs> we've done some of the We've most- done Harry Styles. We've yeah. really covered off the biggest names and the, the non-flops yeah. of the pop world. It fascinates me with Selena because I've always, I think, seen Selena as like this second tier of pop star. And I feel like she has never actually climbed into the like, say the top five core pop girls at any one time. In my mind, I feel like Selena has always been bubbling under those top five. And I wonder why that is. That's crazy because I think the same thing. And I've always viewed her as an underdog, but she's not. She's Mm. had huge records, like massive records. Her streams are absolutely bonkers when I was looking at them today. Um, Like she's just a lot of songs over a billion. She's got several songs over a billion. Most of her records have ones with a couple hundred thousand in it. She's the 42nd most streamed artist in the world right now. That's without having any kind of like era or album to promote right now so she's absolutely Mm. massive and she and i don't know it feels like she's got the opposite problem of bb rexa you know (laughs) where (laughs) i know who she is so much that maybe selena as a celebrity kind of outweighs selena as a musician in some way or as an artist Well, this is the thing. And if we're talking about the sheer metrics of it, beyond the music metrics, she is the most followed woman on Instagram and the fourth most followed person in the world, full stop, at over 400 million followers. The most followed in a world of mega celebrity, in a world of mega social media star. She's the most followed woman on Instagram, full stop, period, no additional subcategories. So maybe that goes away to explaining it. That Her celebrity, her star power, of course, her enormous acting range as well. And that continued to build beyond this album. You know, maybe that has gone away to devaluing the music a little bit or de-escalating the sort of 
impact of it and maybe it gets sort of pushed aside very subtly. But at the same time, the first thing I think of when I think of Selena Gomez is singer and pop star, not That's the same as me. Socialite. So where's, where's the missing link? I think the problem is that it feels like because she's always had her hand in so many different pots and you know, like somebody like Miley who started as a child star she kind of really like veered away from the acting and that side of it when she decided to really go full throttle into the music. Like I think Banger's era was her going like fully into it. Whereas Selena's Mm. never really zoned in entirely on the music. There's always been different things brewing at different times. And at the same time, until this album, she hadn't really had a song that had really just taken over the world she had great songs but she didn't have like a like a we can't stop or like i'm trying to think of other disney stars but like you know each of them have that song that was really like that was it she definitely had it in the u.s but in terms of globally it wasn't until lucy to love me that she had one that was everybody was like top 10 top five everywhere what about hands to myself though because that to me still stands up and I wanted I think there's a really particular context to the sort of 2016 to sort of 2015 to 2020 style of pop music that Selena was right into but I remember Hands to Myself just being this sort of kind of moment unto its own it felt like it but it didn't even go top 10 in Australia it didn't go top 10 in the UK it did go number seven in the US the US has always loved selena like way more than the rest of the world um that record was huge for her obviously revival like number five good for you number five same old love seven hands to myself like she was killing it wait Um, same old love was bigger in the u.s than hands to myself was yeah so i think same old love got a massive push in the u.s and it didn't elsewhere because it only got to Mm -hmm. number 81 in the uk which is funny because to me it sounds like an extremely British record. So because it's a Charlie, it's a it's a Charlie song. It's a Charlie XCX song. Yeah. So I don't know. All this is context to saying that yeah. she just doesn't have the same path to where she is now as her peers do. But unjustly, unjustly, because she's all the the songs are astonishing. Some of these records, some of them are, are great. That she has put out, are phenomenal and she is a superstar but there you're right there is not this she never has hit the taylor level you know she's never hit the beyonce level she's never hit the number ones across the board you know there's no song that was just like globally everybody was like fuck yes lose you to love me is the closest number one in the u.s number two in uh australia and number three in the uk so like Mm. a, a big single by any metric but then yeah. no other ones off this album, like not a single other big single. And that's yeah. probably a lot to do with the pandemic, which we'll talk about a lot when it comes to this album. But also, I don't know, it feels like sometimes Selena goes away in between eras and for some reason everybody misses her and like really is excited for the new era to begin. They get one taste and then they're kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. But <laughs> I will say with this new single coming, it does mm. feel like there's a lot of attention around Selena Gomez right now. She's got a very yeah. good 
kind of like she had the beef with Hailey Bieber, which sort of like got her back into mainstream media. And then she's had Calm Down with Rima, which is just a gigantic hit um, in Australia and the US. So it feels like things are, everything feels good for this next, next era. But that's not what we're here to speak about. No, we're here to speak about this particular record here called Rare, which was actually a really interesting one to go back and listen to. And I feel like it flipped between some of the most confessional moments I've ever heard from her and some of the most uh, quotable sort of boomer Facebook post lines Mm -hmm. of her career. A really topsy-turvy listen, a real roller coaster of like... You feel like you're finally getting in there. You feel like you're finally connecting to her and seeing her rawest, deepest, darkest moments. And then you get a piece of generic pop mid-level. Um, I, I won't say trash because it's definitely not trash on the record, but some, some really Some of it mid- is really close to trash. Like, yeah. I've never seen a record that goes so much between 9 out of 10s and 4 out of 10s and nothing in between. That's exactly, it's exactly it. Ridiculous. Exactly. When she is in her pocket, and this is what I was thinking about a lot when I was thinking about this record, because one of the things that Selena Gomez doesn't have that a lot of the other pop stars have is a huge voice. Like, she just doesn't. She doesn't. She knows that. Everybody knows that. Her voice, by a traditional metric is shit basically so but you you already know the selenators are going to be coming for you but and you letting the leash love it what selena has over the rest of them is that she has incredible tone she has incredible Mm. intonation she has incredible Mm. storytelling and she has an intimacy to the way that she delivers lyrics that many of the other pop stars can't For example, Bad Liar, Good For You, and I would even put Rare into this category as well. They're just songs that would be so boring if anybody else did them. But she's got this like real charisma that comes across so naturally in the way that she phrases things that that it works. I mean, Bad Liar literally could not have been done by anybody else. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's just, that's a genius record. And the way that the phrasing in, in the in the verses is just slightly later than the beat the whole way through. Uh-huh. And it's very slinky. She's got a phenomenal vocal control that not many in her field have. You know, you're right. It is all about these kind of big belts, these big diva moments for so many of these artists and yeah. having the great run into the final chorus. But for her, it's kind of about the opposite in, in, in a lot of in a lot of songs. It's about that control and using the sort of quieter moments to get across that vulnerability, but also, you know, the sensuality that, that comes with so many Selena songs as well. It's a, a very impressive instrument that she uses really strongly. And I think the great thing about her long-term collaboration with, uh, with someone like Julia Michaels, who is kind of the same, you know, Julia has always been a very yeah. vocal writer. She's always been about using her voice in the most you know, candid kind of way possible. I mean, Issues is a perfect example of that, but she's done it across across her career. Um, you know, they kind of met their vocal match, I think, coming together, yeah. particularly on this record. It's It's interesting to listen to the songs where she really taps into that strength and the songs where she really just decides to try and, like, play 
with the other pop crowd and they just yeah. do not work at all. Like there's so many moments on this album where Tell it just some. doesn't I to, work. I need to know what you, the ones that you think it doesn't work. Let me get me. <laughs> like <laughs> she just kind of wails in that chorus and like, it just mm. doesn't work. Um, Ring, I think is... <laughs> I don't even have words for that song. No, um, but, it's very it's it's Camilla in the verses, Megan Trainer in the chorus. Oh, it's just song. like not her, and kind of crazy as well. Has a Megan Trainer vibe that doesn't work. Then when she yeah. tries to do the more like R and B moments, like crowded room, I don't think that works yeah. either. But then when she just taps into that like classic Selena Gomez, rare, absolute smash. Look at yeah. her now. I love the mm-hmm. way that she just carries that with her charisma. Lose You to Love Me could read as an Adele ballad, but the way she delivers it makes it so like intricate and so different and like such yeah. a brilliant moment. And even people you know, I think, like um, succeeds because it's got this kind of like closeness. Like you feel like she's literally sitting like an inch away from your headphones. Um, yeah. And then I really like moments at the end of the record too, like Cut You Off and Fun, which fun a lot is of the tra- a fucking great song. Great fun song, is an isn't it? Absolute belter. And it, I had not heard that song before because this is genuinely, really? I, don't, I don't think I listened to this album when it came out. I really don't. I didn't recognize anything but the singles. So for me, this, and it's very rare that happens. I pretty much every album that we've, kind of gone back on i've got memories from the time that it came out and then yeah. it's, it's like, i do not remember any of this i remember the big hits but I re- something like fun if i had heard that when it first came out i would have been obsessed with it but i don't think i ever heard it because <laughs> i think as we've been talking about like i just don't think i have cared about selena gomez as much as she probably deserves to have been cared about by uh, you know someone who's a, a, a big pop fan um I feel like I've always, and, and you know, there, it's not like there wasn't an interesting story around it and interesting collaborators that at the time I was really fascinated by, like Matt Men and Robin and Ian Kirkpatrick and Julia and Justin. But yeah, I, I kind of missed songs like this, but fun is, fun is definitely a highlight. Well, I think it's because you don't really see Selena Gomez as an album's artist, you know, like even Revival, which kind of feels to me now like a classic pop album. I actually don't really know much of it. I just know that it has really, really strong singles. And there's a case Mm. to be made for Selena Gomez not making an album at all. (laughs) Like, (laughs) there's nothing about Rare that to me says this needed to be a collection of songs that sat together. I think there's maybe like seven songs on here that make a lot of sense together. And then there's six that are just there for no rhyme or reason. Yeah. It would have been a great AP. I agree. If you just got, but at the same time, it probably wouldn't have been a great AP because you've got such polar opposite kind of it's tracks. So all over the place. That all that all said, I did. You know how you said, "Let me get me." Like uh, that one for me felt like almost the dance coupling of "Lose You to Love Me." It almost felt like the sort of dance. I don't version hate "Let Me that. Get Me." It just feels mm. like she's playing in somebody else's field. Yeah, that's an interesting conversation, isn't it? Because you don't know whose field she's actually trying to play in here. And she's she's trying to pull it all together to be her field of, you know, soaring ballads and sort of funk pop that's rooted in that sort of live instrumentation sphere. Yeah. But it doesn't cohesively work, does it? 
yeah, it's weird. It's like she doesn't have a grasp on what makes her strong as a musician, but sometimes Mm. she really does as well. Like she has some very, um, she obviously has a very good instinct when it comes to songs like Bad Liar and Good For You and, and Rare, Look At Her Now. Like she's got such a distinct Selena sound and it just confuses me. I'm like, why do you do this stuff that just doesn't do you any good? Yeah, because like five minutes ago we were saying like, can you imagine anyone else doing Bad Liar? Not really. No, no, not at all. And even like Lose You To Love Me just kind of reads as such a like straight down the road, straight down the line ballad. But the reason I think it works is because she's singing it. Like I actually don't think it would have been a hit record for anybody else but her. Yeah, And that's like owed to the collaboration with Julia Michaels and Justin Trantor who... The three yeah. of them together have just been like an absolute powerhouse. And to be honest, there's so many writers and producers all over this album. I would have cleared the whole thing out and just written the entire thing with Justin Tranter and Julia Michaels. Why don't we talk about that for a second? Because I find this pairing so incredible. And I've heard Justin and Julia talk at length about working with Selena and how they just kind of found their person at the right time who was willing to get as vulnerable as they almost expect people to get. And um, it, it seems to me from listening to a lot of conversations with both of them and having had a conversation with Julia a few times as well, not, not name dropping, but like, um, I feel like I say this every two episodes, but one of the best interviews I've ever done. Um, you know, they really seek out and expect vulnerability from people. They have no time for fake. They have no time for people who are just going to remain cagey. They're obviously yeah. very welcoming and warm to try and bring that out of a person and bring them to a comfortable place, but they bring their vulnerability and openness to the table and hope that that opens the door for others and i think they've been an incredible conduit for so many artists to not just change the trajectory of what they talk about on records but how they sound as well play around with different production and writing kind of you know the expectations of those and also i think it's a really important thing to talk about the back end of what they were trying to do at the time as well which was to make music a more equitable and fair place to be particularly from justin's perspective justin has been fighting for years since getting into these rooms after being a performer of songs in a band and writing himself he's been fighting from the inside for you know things like fair pay for, for writers, a day fee for writers, because at the moment, writers go into a room and are not paid for anything. So yeah. the, the, until the song it's comes crazy. out, not a dollar is their bank account, which is wild to think about because they're going to work every day. They're essentially doing a nine to five. It's a lottery, and- really. <laughs> It's a lottery. If you don't, yeah. you, you, the, the lottery of the song even being released in the first place is crazy. The lottery of it being a hit is even more crazy. And regardless of the lottery of it being a hit, you don't see the royalties from the track until years after it's released if you're tied up in some of these major label deals as well. The whole model has been broken for so long, and I implore people to have a listen to to what Justin has to say, particularly when he talks to people like Ross Golan, who does the And The Writer Is podcast. But essentially, I'm saying all this to say the specifics of it. They were trying to create a better environment for writers and a better environment for artists and at the same time try and 
make the the playing field a bit fairer for everyone involved. But that yeah. basically meant that artists could come in and actually feel like they were talking with people who get it and people who have their best interests at heart. And that tends to create better songwriting in the end Well, as this well. is a true collaboration in every sense. Like I can imagine the three of them like working very closely together rather than Selena just walking in and being like, yep, yep, that sounds good. Let's go with that. <laughs> like it feels very tailor-made for Selena. And I think that's why it works because Selena in a, the public eye is so open with her kind of like mental health and the, her documentary like last year, I think showed that or maybe yeah. it was this year, God. Um, I think it was this year, earlier this year. But she's very open with discussing that stuff and so is Julia. So mm-hmm. when you do that to then be able to put that in your music makes this kind of connection and I think it's where a song like fun works because the first line is the song is very cheeky and playful but it's quite deep and she's like this is just what the doctor ordered put a gold star on my disorder like it's (laughs) it's just so kind of like dark but also really fun excuse the pun at the same time and it's only work that the three of them could have pulled off together Absolutely. I, I love that song and I love, you know, even in the production, there's a lot of personality in the way that that track is produced and it, it, it might date it a little bit. That sort of sampley glitchy thing might be a little bit 2018, 2019 core, yeah. but I, I, I still think it's got a lot of personality. And then you get those like little glimpses of like a, what appears to be like a, just a field recording towards the end that they put in as an additional sample. And yeah. it's just got a lot going for it. And I really like that. Um, I want to talk about Lose You Love Me for a second. Obviously such a, a mammoth moment. And I, I think that probably for that year was one of the most stop and listen kind of pop releases. Totally. I remember, it was like a drop everything moment. Yeah, it was. It was like, I'm going to talk about this and you're going to listen to it for a, a hot minute. You're going to have to listen to what I have to say and then you're going to get your lighter out at the end and dance along. I love the, like, there's so much I love about that track, but... Um, I like, I think it's a really unique take on jealousy, a very music industry take on jealousy. And that line, like, yeah. sang off key of my chorus because it wasn't yours. And then, like, just letting that breathe for a second, I think it's a really nice moment of, like, talking about a partner who, yeah, dampened your musical output and yeah. tried to sabotage. Um, but then there's also an element of ownership like she, she says, I ignored it. I let it burn in that yeah. first verse as well. So I think it's a really, yeah, it's this amazing kind of conversation about jealousy and, but also feeling like you couldn't leave that relationship and finding the time and then reflecting on it. I just, yeah. I think it's, it's such a, it's quite a masterclass of ballad writing. It's, it's very much like very much is the, beginning of the rare story in in every sense of it like there's this whole kind of loose theme around this album that it's about selena like stepping back into herself and lose you to love me is the first part and then look at her now and then rare there's it's like this shaking off of like past kind of history and and everything's that's weighed her down and it feels light and buoyant and the production and the lyrics match that and that's why it's so disappointing when it kind of veers into moments that don't feel like that at all like crowded room or like even even ring as well it just doesn't suit that that kind of feather light vibe of the album 
And it's no. it's a shame because I think she was on to something with that whole thing. And and Lose You Love Me Like Back to it. It's just such such a cool song. Like um the way it kind of stops and starts and like undulates, like made me think I deserved it. Break in the thick yep. of healing. It's yes. such, the the phrasing is is so odd and truncated for a pop song, but it just works so well. Have you seen the um the hacks episode where have you watched hacks oh my god i didn't even think about that yes it like completely made the song for me when they're both sitting in the car together and it comes on (laughs) (laughs) that's such a beautiful moment and i think that moment actually really sums up why this song is so beautiful because you you get to the end of this track and you feel you're really on her team you're really yeah. on her side and you like, fuck him. And you want her to win and you want her to be as free as a bird. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was, I wasn't surprised when I went back on it, but I, I don't think I had, I had realized the grandeur of the track at the time. Like, I think there were a few kind of big ballads around that time that were, I, yeah. can't, I can't name them. I just feel like there were a couple that were, you know, it was like another ballad at the time, but I went back yeah. on it and I'm like, this is a perfectly constructed song. Like, this is Perfect. absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's like a lightning in a bottle sort of moment. Justin Trander says it's the first time they, the three of them have been in a room together for two or three years. So it was just like a friend catch-up that kind of all poured out in this song, which oh, you can tell when a song comes together so naturally. You know, like, yeah. this song just flows out of her. Whereas a song like Rare, which I think was recorded by a multitude of artists before it landed in selena's hands is like a classic pop song where you can tell it's been been handed off a few times before it landed with her whereas lose you to love yeah. is just uniquely hers i remember that was probably rare was probably the first big track that leland brett mclaughlin that was kind of his first big major star pop release because obviously he came up through you know his first big releases with troy savan you know as co co writer and probably the lead co-writer on most of Troye Sivan's output from day one to now. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of opened up more rooms for him. And then his first sort of major pop release was this record. And now he's had a shit ton um, since that. It's a but, great song. It's an excellent, it's What I find song. interesting is that Charlie XCX and Selena Gomez collide quite often. So mm. Charlie wrote Same Old Love, almost released it as her own song. Charlie also recorded Rare. She didn't write on it, but she recorded it and almost released it. And she also recorded Issues by Julia Michaels and also released it. So, and I feel like there is something in both of their voices where they're not the strongest voices, but they're certainly the most personable voices. It's really funny. The um, There's a quote from Simon Says, who was one of the producers alongside Sir Nolan on Rare, and apparently they they went through her vocal takes a million times, comped them, melodimed them, and went over the timing a trillion times. When it's an artist this big, you don't want to take any risks, which is enough to which is suffice to say this song is manufactured at, to absolute pop perfection. <laughs> which you know what? I don't give a fuck. Like I don't no. care if Selena cannot <laughs> sing to save her life. And putting her on that yeah. stage like they did to sing Lose You to Love Me was absolute career sabotage to the motherfucker <laughs> that did that. <laughs> she is not a vocalist. She's not Celine Dion. Do not market her as such. 
<laughs> lip sync the fuck out of every performance. I don't care. Uh, no, I really don't care. And and I think like listening to Rare song, um, I just it's so simple. It's such a simple, so perfect simple. song. The most daring it gets is the the kind of harmonies in the latter half of the chorus. Yeah. <laughs> apart from that, it's just a straight verse, chorus, verse, chorus, slight little bridge bit. <laughs> um, I love the what's the name of the drum that's in the that's across it? Is it is that a timpani? Yeah, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? When it comes in as the first thing you hear on the entire album, you're like, yeah. Um, another fun note is that um, the music video, uh, Gomez says that the music video was inspired by a philanthrop- philanthropic trip to Kenya months prior to the album release. <laughs> it's wonderful that she brought that home with her and put it into, into the music Fantastic. video. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do a song, game? Let's do it. Flop stars. All right. The first one, we've talked about it a lot. Lose You to Love Me. Oh, sorry. I've got to tell you what we're doing. It's Selena Gomez versus Pandemic Pop. So it's the pop stars that were holding it down while the rest of the world was shut down. Lose You to Love Me. Versus August by Taylor Swift. Oh. Yeah, wow. Okay. This is an interesting one. Um... I think I've I think I've put it on record before that um and I know you're going to roll your eyes at this but I'm not going to roll my eyes. Just uh, like folklore and evermore I'm glad uh, n- nice not I'm glad you. you have them. I'm glad you have them. I just I just couldn't care. I just I I'm, I get I'm the importance of songwriting and I understand the importance of them for repositioning the importance of her songwriting in her music and the credibility yeah. of her songwriting in her music and I understand their place. And I yeah. also think there are some amazing songs. However, I just I'm not, at that time I was not looking for cozy in the woods music. I was looking for <laughs> fucking escapism and I was not getting it. I was the opposite. I yeah, think I was at my sookiest during the pandemic, music-wise. I mean, I was I, like listening to a lot of nostalgic dance music, but I was mostly going into like indie alternative music that I used to listen to. Sad see, days. everyone went into nostalgia, and and we probably didn't talk at length about this, but everyone went so hard on nostalgia in the mm-hmm. pandemic to the point where it completely changed what pop music sounds like, what dance music sounds like, what radio sounds like. Yeah. Um, Sped up the aging process of music as well, I think. Made a lot of music pre-pandemic feel a lot older than it is. Absolutely, which this maybe got Including this song, which is only three, not even three years old. It's fucking ridiculous. Anyway, it's all this to say, I've told you why I like Lose You to Love Me um, and was quite blown away by re-listening to it. And August is a lovely song, but it's Lose You to Love Me for me. Okay. Um... I really believe both of these songs. Like, I think I really believe the emotion in yeah. both of them, which is more than I can say for a lot of ballad-esque songs by big pop stars. But there's something about the production of August, which is Jack Antonoff, which just, like, guides me... To, not guide, that sounds a bit, like, a bit wanky, a bit journey-esque. Um... <laughs> 
it just like commands my attention emotionally a little more. Like when maybe Lose You to Love Me is missing the bridge that August has when it just like sweeps up into another dimension. And that's just a personal taste that I prefer ballads that have a little bit more dynamic to it. So I'm going to go with August by Taylor Swift. And I'll respect you for it. And I Thank do you. agree on I'll that note. You yeah. Thank you very much. A, a handshake through the screen. Uh, live content. <laughs> All right. Versus Stupid Love by Lady Gaga. Oh, what inspired you to put these two together? Because both <laughs> of the music videos were shot on an iPhone. Remember that? Um, trend? Oh, that little era. <laughs> Weird shot on iPhone 11. There's no fucking way that Stupid Love was shot on an iPhone 11. Yeah. I just Look I at her now was definitely shot on an iPhone 11. Um, <laughs> stup- I currently have an iPhone 11 and I could yeah. not shoot Stupid Love if you paid me. No, running exactly. around the desert trying to chase the pink. Like the sun would be blaring through the camera. There's so much a gimbal can do, or a drone. <laughs> Fuck. Who invented the gimbal, by the way? If I walk through one more train station and see someone holding a gimbal with a phone on just filming what, like, a POV of the train station looks like. What the like. hell's a gimbal? A gimbal is the stabilizer, the handheld stabilizer that people have. So, oh, you know, it's got, like, all, it's got the phone in the... Yeah, for, for moving content, it's actually quite remarkable. Um, and you can like, you can get like motorized gimbals that don't just stabilize, but they actually like follow, you can move it around with a little joystick kind of situation. Yeah. And, and you can oh, get I'm those just looking at it now. Well. Oh, very good. Yeah. Gimbals are very useful if you're doing moving content, um, okay. like POVs, train stations. Okay. <laughs> All that to I'll say. get one when I go into my train station era. Please do. Um, I can see that for you. I think I'm going into a plane nerd era at the moment. I think I'm going into like, because like I'm going on a plane next week for the first time in ages and I'm like planning to get to the airport like a couple of hours early to just like sit and watch the planes and like be in the aura of the airport. What? So I think I've become one of those people. You're it's, becoming 85 years old. That's what you're saying. That's right. That's right. People, there's, a, there's a hotel in New York called TSA, which is basically almost in the ter- the terminal and you can stay in a room where you can watch the planes and people pay big money for it. But in New York, don't you get to fly planes 24-7 in New York? Wouldn't you not be able to sleep? Well, I assume they've got some kind of, like, very durable glass that you can't really Durable glass isn't going to stop a fucking jumbo jet from... Very high tech now. ...booming through if you're in the middle of New York. You're not, like... On the runway, you can just see them in a distance. You can't like wave oh. to people through the plane. Window. You said it's. You said it's in the middle. It's of like in the near the, the terminal. It's not. Yeah, it, that's. I think that's dangerous. You you uh, you lived in Leichhardt in Sydney. I think. Yeah, I, I was very close to the planes there. You, <laughs> you, li- you yeah, you lived on a what? <laughs> Not a safety concern. <laughs> I was worried. We're doing live shows now. We've got to be careful. Um, you lived on the plane. Fl- you lived on the flight path for a while. Yes, it was like, very loud. But I didn't have soundproof yeah. windows. I don't think soundproof windows 
a, a couple of planes this... of back, back glass. <laughs> the hotel's been very successful, so I assume people have been able to sleep. Not that successful if I haven't heard of it. <laughs> also, did you say TSA hotel? Yes. As in like, no, it's called the TWA hotel. You're thinking about TSA, like the security. Oh, the security pre-check. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, they, do they run it? Maybe. <laughs> anyway, all Get that the to fuck say, back to stupid love. <laughs> stupid love. That's going to be one of the most tangential moments of this podcast's history. Um, in a lot of tangents. Um, <laughs> oh, this is hard. Because they're both such fun fucking songs. But... Um, look at her now. Uh, I, I'm always a sucker for a song with a vocal instrument moment, like a vocal, like a movement of the mouth that turns into sort of the most memorable part of the song. Yeah. So kudos to the, the mm, 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 like Slay. Yeah. Um, but Stupid Love, I don't know. I, I've always maintained that it is like, one of the most joyous Lady Gaga songs of them all. And I just, I, I still remember the moment. And I know, I know I say that whenever I choose a song. I'm going with Stupid Love. I remember when I first heard it, I was like, this is what I remember from pop. This is what I remember loving about pop. This is event pop. This is weird. Blood pop, just playing around with those like early 2010s kind of you know, arpeggiated synths and yeah, craziness. I yeah, it's stupid love for me. Okay, wasn't a very good description, but it was if I know we have very different opinions on this because if stupid love just got like erased from Chromatica off Spotify, I wouldn't even notice. I skip it every single time. I don't hate it. I just like think it's a very mediocre Lady Gaga song, mostly because I think the chorus just kind of feels like a brick like falling on the ground it just completely destroys the build up of the verse which is something you could also say for look at her now but it just works better for me look at her now is just so light and silly and it's just such a dumb song in the best way possible that i've got to go with look at her now oh bang (laughs) we're we're like completely disagreeing on everything it's about time. We've been way too agreeable the last few we weeks. We have. This show. I'm ready to fight. The <laughs> okay, next, next one is Rare, the title track. Versus Forever by Charlie XCX of her pandemic album, How I'm Feeling Now. Why, when you put this on the sheet earlier, I was like, what the fuck is Forever by Charlie XCX? And then, of course, it was like the second I heard that weird shit at the start, I was like, oh, this one. That one. <laughs> Sam, this might surprise you, but I think I was drunk for a lot of the pandemic. I think I was quite. I was absolutely drunk for it. We thought that they were going to close all the bottle shops in New York. So we went and we bought two cases of Prosecco and I think it lasted us like three nights and we were like, thank God the bottle shops didn't close down. You know what We were like getting was. stuck into it on like a Monday night because it felt like a novelty and then like three weeks exactly. later I was like, oh, this isn't going anywhere. We need to <laughs> <laughs> we need to figure this out. Otherwise my liver's not making it through. The record labels were sending out, um, instead of like mm. inviting you to showcases and lunches and stuff, they were sending out alcohol to your home for you to... And, and they, <laughs> if you normally have, like, two drinks at a showcase or something, 
They can't just send you two drinks. They'd send you an entire bottle of Prosecco <laughs> and an entire bottle of Aperol. I have like seven bottles of Aperol sitting in my house from the pandemic. From well, you weren't trying, trying far, hard enough if they're still there. <laughs> <laughs> I remember joining some... house party with my family because it would be like their Saturday morning. It would be my Friday night and I'd be absolutely tired try, <laughs> trying to pretend i wasn't to the rest of my family good times anyway. oh what a time drink responsibly um yeah i mean there's so many memories around this like 20 around 2020 in particular um and i'd sort of forgotten about the charlie album but it was nice to go back on it um this is a hard one because i actually think forever is like one of the most emotive Charlie songs of her yeah. career, and I mean that album was quite emotive, um, and I think it's really daring in, in in its production and quite weird and left of center, even in the Charlie XCX context, um, and very industrial kind of production as well. Yeah, um, rare. We've obviously talked about being like a perfect pop song, so it's almost like these two are sort of not. Oh, I don't want to say opposites, but in many ways they are. Like from their what they're set out setting out to do you know rare yeah. is very straightforward but there's also that context of charlie having done rare and you know it sort of fits into the world of like boys for example yeah this song yeah for sure you know straightforward bit glit, bit blue bleep bloopy um well all that to say i reckon i will go with charlie um but it's no points off rare i just enjoy the daringness of forever yeah i love rare too but it really is just like what you hear is what you get kind of thing it's just a straightforward pop song and we absolutely need them like that's not to take any points away from it but forever is way more ambitious in what it tries to do and i love the way that those verses kind of accelerate into that into that chorus and it's just like the production is weird and off center just, yeah, a real opposite to Rare in every single way. I'm going to go Forever by Charlie as well. <laughs> Great. I'm glad we're back on the same page. We're That's back good. on What's the same page. One? Let's see if we ended on the same page. Dance again. Versus Break My Heart by Dua Lipa. You may recall Dua Lipa oh. having a cry in her house and then turning up to late night shows with like singing over a bloody like boom box to break my heart trying to promote it as a single bless her heart i will never forget i'll never forget that video of her crying never ever forget she was the pandemic for many people like when i think covid i think dua lipa yeah not because she yeah, caused her it. Pandemic. We all know that was she Rita Ora's parties, but which <laughs> <laughs> Julie was, was probably in attendance, just as a much better disguise. <laughs> what are we doing again? What are the songs? <laughs> dance again versus break my heart. Oh, dance again! Dance again is the most plain fine track on the album it's it is just the arrow biscuit of the album you know how we said everything on this album's a nine or a four there's one song that's a seven 
and it's this. It's yes, it's I totally yeah. agree. But somehow <laughs> she does make it kind of more interesting than it would be with anybody else. And you've hit the nail on the head. And I really like, I think there's something across this album that I really like, and it's the use of that really live bass in, and, and the live instrumentation that you hear at points, particularly the use of the live bass guitar. I think that's, yeah. it's probably fucking synthesizer now in my life, but it sounds live. <laughs> And I like that about it. And I think it's a nice kind of next song after Rare. It doesn't really do much, but, and it's another one that kind of fits in the like emotional quotes in black and with black and white backgrounds um, yeah. scene, but I like it. It's a bit of fun. Um, <laughs> she sounds oh. like she can sometimes be a bit monotonal selena but she often is able to avoid it with the way that she phrases things but in dance again she just bulldozes through the whole melody <laughs> yeah <laughs> just, <laughs> get, it felt like it, just get it done um yeah. break my heart is oh, it's, again the only thing i remember from break my heart is um Dua posting the stills from no the Dua posting the music video out now. I had the flu whilst we were I was super sick and had the flu whilst we were recording this in Russia in like minus three degree weather. That's all I remember from her posting. <laughs> what that a video. bit more like babes, you probably had COVID. <laughs> yes, this was during the pandemic, and she's like, I was really sick. She's like, I just had to battle through. I can't remember where they filmed it. Hang on. Break my heart. It was somewhere left of center. It was somewhere, um, somewhere like that. Hang on. Let me find it. Uh, I don't know why I need to find this, but you know what I'm like. I just get fixated on something every now and then. Uh, no, I can't find it. Um, it's not like... I think I think what I say about like it being fine, it's also an, it's a fine song in the Dua Lipa universe. Um, yeah. so I don't really know because <laughs> like, these are two songs that I have such a non-existent opinion on. So I've, I, I feel exactly the same. I remember like, hearing just, don't start now and thinking like, oh my God, phenomenal. And then physical being like, oh my gosh. Oh, and then yeah. hearing break my heart and being like, oh, never mind. <laughs> what? <laughs> you can keep um, uh, whatever. I'll go dance again just for fun. Okay. I was going to go break my heart. So great deal. Good. Lock it in. Um, we've kind of talked about this album being like nothing entirely special, um, but it's not really the way the critics saw it. It yeah, placed on year end list by The Guardian, Billboard, and Up Rocks. Even Pitchfork was pretty nice to it, giving it a 6.8 and said, Selena Gomez's third album is a smooth and confident pop record that delves deep, but not that deep, into heartbreak, resilience and self-love, <laughs> which is kind of bang on the, bang on the head, review. I guess. That's yeah. the perfect review. Who did that? Let's have a look. I don't know. Oh, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm like. I search things mid, <laughs> mid-podcast. <laughs> You're stop. a researcher. A librarian. Quinn Morland. Quinn Morland, whoever you are, great review. We Love agree. You. Good review. I really agree. Yeah. Rolling Stones, four out of five, called it a divine, a, an act of divine ruthlessness. Gomez dances out the toxins, weighing her down, and breathes in loads of post-Lizzo, fuck you, I love me, energy. Also a pretty good way to describe yeah. her. Although I don't think she dances it off hard enough, really. No. And I don't think ruthless is the word I would use to describe this no. album. 
No, it's, on the majority. it's almost too polite at times. Yeah, it's I want to hear more of that kind of like wordplay that's on fun or um, look at her now, yeah. you know? Like I want it to be sillier or I just yeah. want something that feels a little unhinged and too often it feels restrained. Even People You Know, which is a song that I actually mm-hmm. really like on it, it just some it's just like doesn't feel like it goes the extra mile to just like shake it up a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I mean we're talking about a woman we're talking about a pop star who sampled fucking talking heads on the record before. Get yeah. weird. Let's weird talk work. about that because that period for her was phenomenal. Bad liar phenomenal. and fetish, two of the most twisted, bizarre pop songs. Not that I've heard by her, but I've heard in the last ten years period yeah and some of that energy runs off into rare but not enough like not enough at all because i feel like she started getting success with like wolves and back to you and it ain't me after those songs and it kind of gave her this like fueled her on to do this kind of like middle of the road dance pop thing which I mean, obviously works because the numbers come in for it but i just like her when she's being a little bit like more unexpected i guess and i needed more of that from that album because the moments that it happens on this album it's like yes like we've said like it's just such an ebb and flow between being like oh it's selena gomez and she's like can be the best pop star ever and then just being like who's this literally couldn't care less yeah it's so interesting isn't it i completely agree and it makes me excited for the future. I do want to say on the dance side, you know, she did do a track like uh, Wolves with Marshmallow and It Ain't Me with Kygo, which I think yeah. were two re- actually for that that era of like where Marshmallow was churning out a new song with a big pop star every like three months at that point. And the same could be said for Kygo. I yeah. thought though, those were two of the highlights of that era. And I don't like fair, Wolves at all, to be honest. Interestingly, on Wolves, I didn't like it at the time. I don't love it, but I acknowledge that it's a good song. It's also still really recurrent on Australian radio. It is. Um, it's, I still, hear it it's still all a, the time here too. Yeah, it's a big song. Um, I, I liked It Ain't Me. That was a little bit of fun. But I, on that, like, th- there's a couple of collaborators on this record, um, like Matt Man and Robin, who were kind of... You know, this feels like an album that was made with some of those people that were sort of in the thick of that era of like the Zed stay, like the the pop star yeah. doing a dance track kind of era, and the dance musicians becoming yeah, that's kind more of faded, hasn't it? It has. It was, but I loved that era. I was fascinated yeah. by that era. It was people like Sarah Aaron's coming through and yeah. um, Monsters and Strangers, who were just a phenomenal duo and still are a phenomenal duo. But they had this run, this string of hits, and yeah. the music business was kind of working in a slightly more practical way where it was just going, we've got this great fucking song with this, let's get a great producer to do it. Let's attach a really big DJ to it to, who can also yeah. do, do some of the production, get a big pop star on it. It's a so. moment for both of them. I loved that era. <laughs> I wanted to be liberal with my summing there. But yeah, I loved that era. I wanted to come back. Um, what I think I, what I think I've, heard from people though in the in the business is it wasn't the fairest of and, and this goes back to the conversation that Justin Tranter was talking about but there's pop stars who came in dropped their vocal on it for the chance they might be the right one for it and have earned infinitely more money than some of the writers and producers on the record yeah. um 
and yeah, not fair that's not fair anyway i don't think yeah and they were being given writing credits just to help with their credibility when they didn't deserve them so insane that yeah. selena copped a lot of shit um when that conversation came up and yes. Justin Tranter actually came out and, or Julia, one of them came out and defended Selena and said that she's 100% a yeah. writer in the room. People often, we've talked about this with a lot of the female pop stars, but it happens a lot with Selena Gomez that people really try to dull down her involvement in anything. Like you've even seen it with Only Murders in the Building and the way that like Steve Martin and Martin Short are kind of collecting a lot of the praise and Selena's being left behind, but she's been an executive producer from the beginning and it happens a lot with the music as well. It's interesting. It goes further into that conversation of Selena like being the biggest person in the world, but for what reason? Like it's... yeah. And it's obviously, there's obviously an enormous amount of it rooted in misogyny, but there's also this conversation around, you know, is the credibility being diminished because of the fact that they are this sort of like career anonymous person, this career chameleon that can do sort of all of these different disciplines. So, you know, for Only Murders in the Building, she's just been parachuted in there to get a big name attached to the project, you know, is the the sort of subconscious conversation that's being had when it's not actually the truth of what the day-to-day was like, you know, creating that. And the same goes for the music as well. Yeah, that's that's really, really true. Should we play a game? It's a pretty quick game. I know this is dragging along. Yeah, I know. Again, I was like, I don't have it. I don't have an hour of opinions on this record. But again, we've but here we are. An hour of opinions, haven't we? With a bit of playing <laughs> conversation. <laughs> You'd be absolutely frothing. I get to take two planes this week. I know. I'm genuinely very envious of you. You've done a lot of planes this year. You've been I very have. lucky. I hate flying too. Um, now you have and sucked in. You have to do the fucking like thirty-hour flight back to Australia at the end of the year for our live yeah, show. Yeah, for Beyond well. the Valley. Yeah, and you're not going to hear the end yeah. of it. Don't you worry. <laughs> you will be collecting and cracking my drinks the entire day. <laughs> <laughs> I've requested a throne in the green room. Only one. With a golden microphone. Only one. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> One golden microphone and, and a cocktail shaker on stage. <laughs> I've told them that you're bringing your uh, microphone from home, and that um, 15 minutes of the podcast will be you trying to set it up. They'll be like, "Please welcome to the stage, Flop Stars," and then the first 10 minutes will just be dead silence, and you just going, "Hello, is is it working now? Okay, what if I try this? What if I change? It's oh, performance art, and it's going to be again. beautiful." Anyway, um, what's the game? Flop stars. The game is uh, Selena and Julia both involved in this song. If you do, you need further explanation. (laughs) That says does what it says on the tin. First one. Let's start easy. Bad liar. Uh, yeah, Uh, yeah, they both did it. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Next one. Fetish. Oh, I don't know, Sam. Um, no, I don't think I don't think Julia was on that. No, I'm saying no. That is correct. Julia was not on that. Yes. What about "Kill Him with Kindness"? No, that's correct. Julia is not on that. Julia wouldn't do a song called "Kill Him with Kindness." <laughs> Just not her. <laughs> Same old love. Girl. No, that was Charlie XCX and Ross Golan from memory. Um, 
You are correct. That was Thanks. and was Stargate. A... Um, Sorry, Stargate. Hands to myself. Yes, 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 yes. Correct. Good for you. You've got everyone right so far. Yeah, I know. Now I'm really fucking stressed about not getting this one right. Good for you. That's good for you. That's I. Yeah, I'm gonna say it was. I'm gonna say that was Julia. I mean, who else would come up with the some of the lines in that? I'm a, I'm a Mikey Diamond or whatever that. <laughs> I'm 14 carat. Yeah, I'm a 14. Brilliant. It ain't me. No, that would have been Kygo and a bunch of Norwegians. That's correct. Me and the rhythm. I'm good at this fucking game. You better not stumble um, now. Oh no, I'm really nervous. No, I don't think me and the rhythm was her. Julia Michaels and Justin Trantup. No! Are on me and the rhythm. <laughs> oh. Look at her now. I can't say it without me doing that. a few years to soak up the tears. Look at her now. Look at her now. Yeah, that that was that was Julia. That's correct. That was Julia. What about back to you? What was back to you again? I know. I'd go back to you. <gasps> oh my god! Who was the DJ on that? I know. I ain't gonna make um, I don't know if there was anyone specifically attached, but it was produced by Ian Kirkpatrick. Really? Yeah, that actually. Know, I- isn't a DJ track. It's just from the 13 Reasons Why soundtrack. Oh, okay. Yeah, I knew there was something yeah. about it that it wasn't like an album song. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a really hard one, actually, because I feel like it could be, but it's also a little bit too generic to be. So maybe I'm going to go no. That's correct. No. Lose You I'm to Love Me. What? You already know. To love, love me. Love, love. Yes. What about Selena's verse on Calm Down? Holy shit, that's hard. No. I'm going to say that was just Rema and his crew. I don't think she would have. Yeah, I'm going to go no. That's correct. Yes. You were trying to give and, me a face. And People what about... You gave me a face. <laughs> trying to and what about Boyfriend, the song that was released just after this album on the deluxe edition? Oh... Yeah, I think that was Julia. Yes. That's correct. Yeah, one wrong. That was wrong. only one wrong. That was I'll very good. That. Very, that very fun. good. Um, that. And that goes to show, that really does go to show the Julia Michaels of it all and the Julia Michaels effect. It does. It's right? very, not obvious. I don't want to um, dilute your achievements, but yeah, it's very obvious yeah. when she's been involved in something. Well, thank you for not trying to dilate the achievements. You sort of did, but... I did, yeah, yeah and I meant it. Yeah. Um, okay, give me a score out of 10 in your best and worst song. Um, in the words of Pitchfork, I will give this album a 6.8 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a very effective number. Um, yeah, as soon as I saw that, I was like, that is the exact number I would give this record. It's not a yeah. 6. It's not even a 6.5, because 6.5 feels diminishing. 6.8 is perfect. It's exactly where it's at. Um, best song would probably be... It, it, it's amongst Lose You To Love Me, 
and fun. But I think I'll just go lose you to love me. Also, shout out Phineas, who was a co-producer on that oh, track yeah. as well. Which doesn't get mentioned, I feel, very often. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to lose you to love me. Is, is Fucking little best. traitor Phineas did um, this song and then went and did the freaking Justin Bieber song, Lonely. Oh, um. oh yeah. Yeah, so... Thinks he invented ballads. Choose your song. Um, Choose your freaking song. Gonna go lose you to love me for best. For best. I'm gonna go with people you know for worst. What? I just, I just no. I just I I don't I don't like it. I think it's a bit. The chorus is just the words of the but chorus. But she just explains it so well. We used to be close, but people can go from people you know to people you don't. Don't. I know. Just is that not giving? Is it not giving? Like Pinterest, squiggly font. Yeah, but Dude. I love it. I have a real soft spot for this song. Nah. Anyway, it's, it's the worst song on the record for me. What about you? No, it's not. Oh my god, the best song. I mean, I'm giving it the album a six out of ten. Um, the best song I think is, I don't know. There's four that are really close for me. Lose you to love me. Fun. Yep. Cut you off. And look at her now, I think. But I'm going to go with... Oh, I think I'm going to go with Look at Her Now. Worst song, I'm going to go with Ring by a mile. I cannot stand it. I never want to hear it again. Never. Like, it's just so disgraceful. Like, the album would be an eight without that song on it. <laughs> also shout out our gal yeah. bb rexa who is on crowded room you can um yeah. hear some of her backing vocals left in oh because i was like fun that sounds like bb rexa and then i looked it up and she's got a writing credit so i think they've just Amazing. um it would be conveniently her. forgot to chop out a few of those vocals <laughs> <laughs> well done that's the podcast it was actually an enjoyable listen to go back on and it was an enjoyable listen yeah. there are very good songs on here there's also very yeah. bad songs on here yeah <laughs> what a great review <laughs> you could tell they are the last hour and one minute with there are some good songs on here but also some very bad songs on here uh let us know what you think of it we've got the reply section on spotify where you can leave your notes on the episode any thoughts you've got just drop them there we love reading your feedback and get in touch with us anytime at flop stars podcast on the socials we'll see you for another flop stars real soon Okay. Look at her now.